In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. amen. All glory be to Jesus Christ, our Savior, on this lovely, beautiful Sabbath day. We join our brothers and our sisters that are assembled here in southwest Missouri. We give all praise and honor and glory to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob who brought you here and to all those folks who live in the cross, the hinterlands of this great nation called America that are going to join us today in Rumble. We are delighted, honored, and pleased to have you join us. And to those across the Pacific or the Atlantic, God bless you, Israelites. We send our love, our prayers, and our best wishes to every one of you. Today our lesson is entitled, The Times and the Seasons, the Festivals, and a Warning to the Church of God assembled and throughout the world. Let us pray. Father in heaven, guide this lesson to the glory of Jesus Christ. Take it where you want this lesson to go. And we'll give you all praise and glory and honor now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. Now, today we're going to begin with just a little bit of a warning. And then we're going to go into a very really a very important, serious Bible study. Now, of course, the title again, The Times, Seasons, Festivals, and a Warning to the Church of God. The objective of this lesson, beloved, is to survey the fall festival season that we have already been under and in, celebrating the Day of Trumpets already, and now preparing to celebrate the, the Day of Atonement rapidly approaching upon us now. So the objective of this lesson is to simply remind ourselves of the urgency of understanding the times, the seasons, and the festivals and their relevance to our time in history and to where we may be moving as a people in history. The, uh, the verse that I want to acquaint you with at the beginning here is from Ezekiel 37, correction, Ezekiel 33, verse 7, and it says, Ezekiel 33, 7, So thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore thou shalt hear the word at my mouth and warn them from me. So I need to do this first of all. I need to send this, this alarm out to the church of God. Whoever's numbered in the church of God, elect, chosen in Christ from the foundation of the world, who has been called, elected to salvation, who has been given the great gospel of the kingdom and the blessing of knowing our only Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to all of those who are now living, believers who are living as exiles from their ultimate homeland, 
where regathered Israel will one day be gathered to all of us who are exiled, and that's in everyone in this congregation here, we're all exiles, we're strangers, we're pilgrims, we're sojourners in a world that we dare not call our own, for we are pilgrims and strangers and sojourners on our way to a heavenly kingdom that's coming down into this earth. Now, the warning I want to sound here to begin with, church, is not something that's altogether that pleasant, but I want to remind you of something that you clearly know, but may have underestimated the significance of, and that is that there is an open invasion of our homeland underway. 10,000 Latin American non-white aliens crossed into our borders into this country on Thursday of this week. About 9,000 yesterday crossed in. Before that, thousands every day. This has been going on since the communists seized power and the Marxists came into the White House and they took the reins of government essentially on November 3rd, 2020, but this country is under invasion and the enormity of what this is going to mean is too greatly underestimated by most Americans. So I want to say that when 10,000 people are crossing into your border, and this has been going on now in greater or lesser amounts since January 21, and before that, all the way back to 1965, when America radically altered its alien, or correction, its immigration and naturalization laws. Prior to that, prior to 1965, America was known as a white man's land. White Europeans were the primary people coming into this land before 1965. After 1965, and some of you will remember Lyndon Baines Johnson, Ted Kennedy, and all the rest of the, of the uh, communists that were entrenched in government back then. And they opened the borders of this country, and they've been wide open ever since. And every president, every Republican, every Democratic Party uh, leader uh, has actually been in office while this invasion has been undergoing. Uh, Donald Trump did more to stop the flow than any of them, but he uh, did not stop that flow completely by any, any means. And a lot of people came in during the years that he was in office, but not the flood tide that has poured across our borders since uh, Joe Biden came into power. Now, beloved, where we, where we are today, the millions and millions of people that have flooded into this land. What is that going to mean for our future? They are loading the buses, the trains and airplanes and flying these people every day. While we sit here this morning, hundreds will pass into this country. Hundreds and before the sun sets, Thousands will be arriving. They're going to receive social security numbers. Many of them will be eligible to vote in the, some of the blue states across the land. 
they will represent the new America. Folks, listen, we are in desperate condition for the future of our children. Our children are in peril. And I, I, this is a, an appeal I make to all God-fearing, Bible-believing, blood-washed Christians. We need to set our spiritual houses in order. Set your spiritual houses in order. If you are prioritizing your life around your personal grievances, stop it. Put your eyes on the target. The target is the future of your people in this country. The target is the advancing horde that's coming into this country to replace you and your children. And we're going to need the help of God. And we're going to need his help in a way that Israel has not solicited that help since they stood before the waters of the Red Sea with the armies of Pharaoh behind them and the waters of the Red Sea before them. And they were imperiled and did not know what to do. Moses didn't know what to do. All he could say was stand still and see the, and wait for, or see, wait for the salvation of your God. Well, let me tell you this morning, we need to remember what God told Moses. And that was, Moses, go forward. Let somebody go into the water and dip their feet and get them wet. And see if the waters are going to part. Don't just stand there. And that's, that's what we need to think about today, folks. Whatever your station in life is, no matter what your priorities are, there's one priority that we better all get in mind, and that is that we are going to need a holy God to hear the cry of our supplications when, when we need that cry to be heard. Because it's coming, and the enormity of what this country is going to face very few Americans are prepared to know what it's going to mean when they're upending the demographics of this country and changing radically forever the, fate, the racial face of, a, of our country. We can no longer placate and spend our times twiddledee and twiddledum focused on our own personal problems. Folks, we are going to have to put our houses in order Putting our spiritual houses in order begins with every one of us individually doing that. And I suggest, beloved, that we might want to begin with 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5. So let me say what 2 Corinthians 13, 5 says. And he that has ears to hear, let him hear. I don't know if anybody here, if, if this is applicable to you, I have no clue. But God does. God in heaven knows who you are. He knows your heart. He knows what you think about. He knows where your priorities are. He knows what your focus is. He knows what you consider to be the most important uh, way that you spend your time and, and occupy here on this earth. So let me read from 2 Corinthians 13, 5, which says, Examine yourselves. Didn't say examine your neighbor, said examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves how that Christ is in you, except you be reprobates. A reprobate by definition, I looked this up so I would have some solid definition. By definition, a reprobate 
is an unprincipled person who regardless of what they may think about themselves or personally believe in their own heart, they are really a degenerate and unsaved person and they are betting their soul is in God's hand and it isn't. So with the day of atonement approaching, beloved, this is no time to play church. No time in your life to believe that everything is right. So let repentance begin and let it begin in the house of God. For the Bible tells us in 1 Peter 4, 17, judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall be the end of those who obey not the gospel of God? For if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God. Now, this is to all those who are in suffering. To all those who suffer in the will of God, be faithful. God will see you to the end. So God bless you. So I mention this as a warning, church. For I fear that far too many Israelites across the land are not focused on the priority. The priority is that our land is being invaded. The priority is that we're never going to be the America that we once were. The priority should be that we, as an independent, autonomous church body, need to go into emergency session and do what we need to do to prepare for the unknown calamities that will surely come upon this land. For the judgment of God is falling. The judgment of God is falling. No nation particularly an Israelite nation, can live in rejection of God, abandoning his covenant, repudiating his law, scorning his commandments, trampling, trampling underfoot the precious name of Jesus Christ, shaming him in every, in every way that we know how. We have maligned the name of God, we have cast the pearls of the Bible before our national feet. We have trampled them in the mire of radical Marxist communist thinking. And we're in trouble as a people. We're in trouble as a nation. Judgment is not necessarily an act of God. Judgment is a self-imposed discipline that falls upon a people who continuously live in rejection of God. A nation that continuously lives as though God did not exist in heaven, that God's word no longer is relevant, that when God created male and female, he really didn't mean it. Oh, yes, he did. 
And oh yes, God did imply that there is only one biblical definition of marriage, and it is between one man and one woman of the same race, bound by the same covenant that God entered into when he joins a husband and wife together. So beloved, you and I need to get serious with God and a wonderful time to do that in festival time. Festival time, that's a wonderful time to do that. So let's do that. So I'm going to invite you this morning to turn to Genesis chapter number one. Now, we all believe in a creator. We know if there's a creation, there's a creator. Amen? If there is a design in the universe, there has to be a designer. You do not have a beautiful skyscraper without an architect behind it. Somebody designed that huge towering edifice or structure. Our God is a sovereign God. When he laid out the foundations of biblical truth, he incorporated the festivals. The holy festivals, which are essentially ignored, evaded, blasphemed, paganized. We are a country who has historically, consistently turned our back on the times and the seasons established by a holy God. So let you and I today... Notice when God Almighty laid out the creation of the heavens and the earth, when he established the very foundations of time and history and the beginning of his world in Genesis 1, verse 14, I'll begin reading. I encourage you to join with me by opening your Bible to Genesis 1, verse 14, and we'll read together. And God said, now that word, that name of God is important. The English word God with a capital G and a little O and a D is from the Hebrew root word Elohim. Elohim is translated God in the Old Testament 2,500 times. Now, why is that important? It's, an import, it's important for many reasons, but number one, because Elohim as a name is a plural noun. What does that mean? It means that latent within that name is a triunity. Within the name Elohim is a triunity. Confirm that by taking your eyes and looking at Genesis 126, right across the page, God, Elohim said, let us, personal pronoun, more than one, let us, that's not the angels, it's not a part of the created race of Adam, no, no, when God said let us, he's talking about the triune nature of who he is. And then he went on to say, let us make God in our, that's plural pronoun, our image. 
We are made in the image and after the likeness of God. That's awesome. That's awesome. We are the image bearers of the holy God. And we ought to act like image bearers of that holy God. We're put on this earth to be his express children reflecting his glory and honor in our lives. Sin marred that image. When sin came into the world, sin blurred the image. When we become a Christian, the new birth, the regeneration of being a newborn Christian is to have that old image gradually being removed and allowing us to come back into the full image and likeness of God again. We're on a journey to come back to the full image and likeness of God. I didn't say that we're going to become God. God is always the uncreated. We are always the created. We will never erase the line between created and uncreated. Hear this in God's house. God, Elohim said, Genesis 1, 14. Let there be lights in the firmament of heaven to divide the day from the night. And let them be for signs, for seasons, for days and years. Let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights. The greater light to rule the day. The lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. And God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. To rule over the day and over the night. To divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the fourth day. I'd like for you to take your eyes and focus them on verse 14. When God ordained the sun and the moon, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and seasons for days and years. This word seasons happens to be a word that is most important for your vocabulary as a Bible believer. The word seasons in English is derived from a Hebrew root word 4150 in Strong's Exhaustive Concordance. And I said that number wrong. It is word 4150. 4150. The plural form of that Hebrew root is moad. Moad. The singular pronunciation is moadin. So God established the season. The moadin, the, the moad, the seasons. And that is defined in the Hebrew language, defined as something very significant. It is the appointed time, an appointed time, a fixed time, a set 
time a during the festival year a set time marked for eternity and by extension for God's congregation of Israelites or believers forever. So that's the word seasons there is very imp important. Now, if I turn in my Bible to Psalm 104.19, 104.19 reads, Psalm 104.19, He appointed the moon for seasons. The sun knoweth his going down. What did David say? What did the Holy Spirit mean? That is translated in other translations, he assigned the moon to mark the months and the sun to mark the days. Conforming to Genesis 1.14. That's very important that we understand that. That is Psalm 104.19. So I mention that because it's significant that all through the Bible... From the beginning, Adam and Eve knew the festivals. Noah knew the festivals when he entered into the ark. When he came out of the ark, he had not forgotten them. The patriarchs knew the festivals. They knew the seasons. They knew the set times. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Sarah, Rebecca, Leah, and all the rest of them. So what you and I need to know now, people, is that our covenant God has set forth seasons of time, set times in the year when God says to his people, come, I have an appointment <clears throat> with you to keep. Now, you know, folks, I don't have to tell you how diligent people are to keep a doctor's appointment. You make an appointment with a, with a surgeon, a specialist, and you're going to do about everything you have to do to get to that appointment. Let me suggest that there's a greater than any physician. His name is Jehovah Elohim. And he has set times, set times when he wants to see you. He wants to bless you. He wants to relate to you. He wants to connect to you as his people. So I invite you now to turn in your Bibles to Leviticus 23. We are now turning to Leviticus 23. We are in the Old Testament scripture. And I'll begin at Leviticus 23 and I'll look at verse 1. The congregation would look at Leviticus 23, 1. Here we are. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel. Didn't say speak to the whole world. Seasons, set times, divine appointments for Israel. Speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them concerning the feasts of the Lord Jehovah, which ye shall proclaim to be holy convocations. 
I don't need to define what a holy convocation is. Everybody knows that that's a sacred gathering of the people of God into a public corporate body. Six days shall work be done. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of rest, a holy convocation. That happens to be why we're here today. You shall do no work therein. It is the Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwellings. Watch closely, verse 4. These are the feasts of Jehovah, even holy convocations, which ye shall proclaim in their seasons. And again, that word seasons is again root word 4150. It means appointments, divine appointments, festivals ordained for the children of God on a yearly annual basis. The weekly Sabbath is the first festival day. We celebrate it weekly. Every week we keep a feast. It's called the Sabbath. Every week. When certain set times of the year unfold. It's an elongated season of worship. When God rejuvenates his people. And you know this great and marvelous God that ordained the festivals. Says if you will trust me. And be obedient to my words and my laws. I will bless you until the blessings overreach you. They will overrun you. Human nature says, but God, I can't possibly surrender those days. My priorities are so pressing how in the world can I honor that command? God says, trust me. The great creator of heaven and earth says, try me, trust me, prove me. And see what I won't do for you. Now we know unbelief is characteristic of most every generation. There's always unbelief in every generation. Ours is no exception. We believe God, but we don't believe him. We're sort of like the man that wanted Jesus to heal his son. And uh, he knew that he had to exercise faith. And he said, Lord, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. I believe you can do it, God, but take away this unbelief in my heart that doubts the authority of God to do what he said he'd do. Now, beloved, let me tell you, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob can hide this congregation from the storm that's coming. The God of our creation, the God of, of the heavens and the earth, the God who gave us an inch of rain the other day, that God can preserve and protect this body. 
but this body better be well ready to serve their God. If we want God's help, if we want him to hear us when we cry out in anguish, God save us, spare us. then God must see a people whose hearts are right with him. Whose hearts are right with him. People who have set their priorities right. Don't let personal grievances bug you down. Cause you to go down into the mire. Come up out of the mire. Focus on the real issues your wife and your children, they love you, you love them. Prepare a way for them so that when God hears the cry, he will rescue you and your children. Times, seasons, festivals, and a warning to the church of God. Now, we celebrated the Feast of Trumpets. It was our first fall festival day. Earlier this year, we celebrated <clears throat> Passover. We <clears throat> celebrated the wave sheaf offering. And we celebrated Pentecost. All those beautiful days were observed by this congregation not to be in any way exalting ourselves. We merely did, did that which was our duty to do. We deserve no accolades for simply doing what we're commanded to do. We did what God commanded in his word. Now we observe the day of trumpets. We're preparing to observe the Day of Atonement. Very important day. If you will go to Leviticus 23 again, drop over in Leviticus 23, all the way over to verse 23. Leviticus 23, 23, and the Bible says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, in the seventh month, we are in that season. Now, you shall have a Sabbath, a memorial of blowing of the trumpets and holy convocation. You shall do no servile work therein. That means the typical ordinary labor. But you shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord your God. Now, we celebrated trumpets. And you'll remember we had a wonderful celebration of trumpets. So let's visit trumpets a little bit more today. And drop over in your Bible to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Let's see if we can find a connection to 1 Thessalonians 5, 1, and the day of trumpets. We've celebrated trumpets, but let's review here for a moment. Thank you. Thank you, boys and girls. I hope you got your Bibles open. 
Would you read with me, congregation? I'm in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 1. Together, but of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. Stop. Isn't that an interesting verse? That God is writing to the church at Thessalonica in the first century, hundreds of years after Leviticus 23, millenniums after Genesis 1.14. And he says, there's no need for me to remind you of the times and the seasons. Now, what do you think that means? That means that New Testament Christians knew, at least many of them, because they were indigenous Judean Hebraic Israelites who had an Old Testament foundation. And you can be sure that there were some of those people numbered in the church at Thessalonica. Yes, there were new converts, Greek-speaking converts that didn't know anything, but there were a lot of Judean Hebraic Israelites of the tribe of Judah, Benjamin, and Levi that knew a plenty. The times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. Now let's, let's look at the, what verses follow. But you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. There is no way in the world for you to find wiggle room from admitting that these verses are related to the Feast of Trumpets. The focus of that festival is the return of our sovereign to this earth. Jesus is coming back. I promise you he's coming back. With every fiber of my being, he will split the clouds at the day appointed. You know perfectly that the day of Christ comes as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child and they shall not escape. Now, beloved, I have to challenge myself every day. I try not to think about the invasion of our country. I try to ignore that the best that I know how. But inevitably, I know it's real. And I know the calamity that's going to result as a result of it. I know. And I would not be a watchman worthy of anything if I did not plead with this congregation to set your houses in order so that when you call upon God, he will hear you. So that when you need God, he will do miracles and wonders. There was a day and time when Joshua, in the conquest of Canaan, was fighting the Amorites. You're familiar with it. It's a beautiful story recorded in the book of Joshua. 
And they're fighting the Amorites. And the battle waxes hot. Israelites are fighting for their very existence in conquest of Canaan. The sun goes down. The Amorites are still there, still bloody fighting, still full of fight. And Joshua knows that the battle has not been won. And he looks up to heaven and he says, Son, stand thou still. A man commanded the sun to stand still. And thou moon in the valley of Ajalon, hold up a while. Did ever a God of heaven hear the voice of a man who says, Son, stand still. Thou moon in the valley of Ajalon, stay hiding for a while. Till we get done shedding the blood of these cannibalistic Amorites. And God honored the voice of Joshua because our God is a miracle-keeping God. And under the duress, when his people face a horrible situation and their backs are against the wall and they have no alternative but to seek the favor of God. Our God has heard their cry throughout the ages. But inevitably, he heard their cry because the people's hearts had been tenderized. Tenderized by the pain and the suffering under which they labored. In Gen Ezekiel chapter 9, there's a question asked or a statement made about the people that cry and sigh for the state of their country and people. We ought to be among those that are doing that. Where we are in distress because God's land is under assault. And our people are the targets of the enemy. The color white is the most hated and despised color of any people on this earth. And we live in a time of history when some of the most cowardly people walking are white people. They will sell their souls and give away their birthright for a bowl of lentils. Coming back to 1 Thessalonians 5. When they shall say peace and safety, sudden destruction cometh upon them. As travail upon a woman with child and they shall not escape. Now all you mothers out here. 
Every woman that's given birth to a child knows what it means to birth a child. That's an experience that only the ladies know. Now, the gender dysphoria people are working feverously to see if they can arrange that for a man, that experience for a man. And we know that that is utter foolishness, vanity, lies. But did you know there's a day coming when everyone living that's male will know what childbirth is? Can I read that out of the Bible? This is what Jeremiah the prophet said when he was leading up to the verse that says, Alas, alas, for the day is great, so that none is like it, it is even the time of Jacob's trouble. Would you see what verse precedes that? In Jeremiah chapter number 30, Verse 6, Ask ye now whether a man doth travail with child? We would answer no. At least I don't know any man that's travailed. I know some fathers that were pretty distressed watching a baby be born. Wherefore do I see every man, Jeremiah says, with his hands on his loins as a woman in travail. I'd have to depend on the ladies to know what that phrase means. And all faces turned into paleness. When that baby's coming down the birth canal and something goes wrong, people are going to turn pale. And they're going to cry out to God because a kingdom is being born, church. And the pains that we see in this country today are the contractions of that birth of, of the kingdom. And every contraction grows in intensity. Is that true? In a true birth, the pain begins slowly. Just uncomfortable contraction. The mother will turn over in her sleep and say, wow, don't know what that was, but let's hope it doesn't come back. Maybe she wants it to come. But by morning, she's up early and she tells her husband, it's time. I'm in labor. We are in labor for the kingdom, church. The Western world is in pain to be delivered of a kingdom. And there's a birth underway. And the contractions are not going to be pleasant. So Jeremiah says, he says, look. Ask a man whether he doth travail as a woman in birth. Wherefore do I 
See every man with his hands on his loins, as a woman in travail, and all faces are turned to paleness. Alas, for that day is great, so that none is like it. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble. But aren't you glad for the little phrase that that verse ends with? That verse closes out with a statement that ought to give everyone here hope for the future. He shall be delivered out of it. That's the good news. The bad news precedes that. So we're going to return back to our day of trumpets. We're in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And it says here that there'll be no escaping for some people. When sudden destruction, I'm in verse number 3, comes, the travail that will be there as a woman with child, they shall not escape. Now, you people are familiar with a lot of people in Vernon County. You know a lot of people in Vernon County today. You know a lot of people. But you don't know very many people that know what's coming to Vernon County, to America. Our county leaders had no ears to hear back in 2020 when lockdown time came. They were petitioned. I have the letters in my computer to validate the fact that we petitioned our county commissioners. We sent them hard back cover books printed in 2010 by the Rockefeller Foundation outlining the complete pandemic that was underway in 2020. And they would not even open the covers of it. We live in a nation that's asleep. Wake up, wake up America. Stir Rip Van Winkle, tell him it's time to wake up. First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 4. This is for you and I now. 2,000 years ago, the Holy Spirit changed the tenor. Of course, these words are relevant for every generation. But ye brethren, let's read this together. But ye brethren are not in darkness. I pray not that that day should overtake you as a thief. You're all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep, sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day 
be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love. 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 For a helmet, the hope of salvation. Faith and love and hope. For God hath not appointed us to wrath. The word wrath is just another word for judgment. But to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Who died for us whether we wake or sleep. Now here's a good thought church. Whether we stay alive and awake. Through the time of Jacob's trouble. Or whether we. Die and be with Christ. Awake. Alive. Or in death. We are still together with him. And the only thing that happens at, at death is the change of address. For where your body is. Your soul and your spirit just change addresses. To be absent from the body is to be present. Hello. Come on. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord God Almighty. And that's written in your Bible. And God bless those who live in soul sleep heresy. They just need to read their Bibles. And get out of Jehovah's Witness theology. Wherefore comfort yourselves together. That's what we're doing today folks. Comfort yourselves together. Take a hold of the person's hand sitting next to you. Just take a hold of their hand. They won't hurt you. They won't hurt you. Comfort yourselves together. And edify one another. Even as also ye do. Edify. Comfort. Edify. Encourage. Lift up. You know somebody that's down, help them up. Be an exhorter. God put exhorters in the church. They're cheerleaders. The glass is half full and getting fuller. The nation's filling up with aliens, but it might cause God's people to wake up and call upon his name. Glass is half full. The enemy has come in like a flood. Revelation 12. We are in Revelation 12. The beast has opened its mouth. And is flooding God's Israel nations with non-white peoples. Revelation 12. 
It's right where we are. We are being overrun. Genghis Khan has come our way. The horde coming into this country makes the Germanic invasion of ancient Rome seem mild in comparison. Those hordes that came against the Roman Empire and sacked and pillaged the imperial city of Rome were blue-eyed, fair, blonde Anglo-Saxons, barbarians, so-called. But they were our ancestors. And they charted the future of the Western Christian paradigm after they conquered Rome. We don't have the Germanic, Gothic, Scandinavian, Anglo-Israel people invading our country. They are the dark-skinned, non-white, Latin American people, and by virtue of homeland security. What a misnomer. Homeland security, anything but security, is coming out of that department. It's the homeland of betrayal to a great and mighty nation. And there's not enough rope left in the rope factories of this country to hang every traitor that ought to be hung in our time of history. But that's God's job. God has a plan for the wicked. Don't rob him of his plan. God's plan for the wicked is a lot more severe than yours. I'll read a couple of lines out of God's, God's method of dealing with the wicked. I'm, I'll tell you where I'm going to read from in a moment, but I'm going to read you something. This is how God deals with the wicked. This is God dealing with wickedness. So here it is. And I'm reading out of the Word of God. It says, And another angel came down, came out from the altar which had power over fire, crying with a loud voice to him that had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in thy sharp sickle. Gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. And the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth, cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. The wrath of God is the final judgment upon the wicked when Christ comes back. And the winepress was trodden without the city. And blood came out of the winepresses even to the horses' bridles. You and I don't have the power to effectuate that kind of opposition, but God does. So we'll, we'll hurriedly close out our lesson on time, seasons, and festivals, and a warning to the church of the living God. 
Verse 11, Wherefore comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. If you'd all be so kind to just keep, if you'd stand now and let's, let's close the lesson together. Beginning at verse 12, we'll keep recording here. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and over, are over you in the Lord and admonish them and as, esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at, be at peace. Be at peace among yourselves. Oh, underline that. Now we exhort you, brethren, together warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men, see that none render evil for evil, and any man but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Everybody rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit. Despise not prophesyings. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil. I paused on that one. Abstain. Stop it from any appearance of evil. And together, the last verse, the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God, now wait a minute, I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of the Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ. So beloved, today, we are in the time that's crucial, the season that is crucial, a festival that is crucial, and God is with you. Are you with him? My